I don't remember they what like, they were called when I was a kid. Oh, that was actually the brand name. We called them Beaties because that was what they were named. But long story, they had like 10 times the nicotine. So you'd hit like three hits off it and you were like green if you were my age, 12. Yeah, and like hit the deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oof. But when I'm broke, all I can think about is Beaties because one of those will last you for like 10 packs of cigarettes. Yeah. It, man, and I hate how much, like, and I'll admit it every time. But it disgusts me how much I like chewing tobacco. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I really enjoy it. It's really gross, so I don't do it. But, mm, it's, man, get a good fucking chaw in there. Just like, mm, man, my redneck comes right the fuck out. Well, it hits the nicotine spot harder than any fucking thing else. Oh, man. And it hits it hard. Yeah, and you just feel like the tingling in your shoulders. Just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Ugh, that's what keeps me out of the rodeo. I refuse to chew because it's too good. <laughs> yeah, man, just some nice wintergreen Kodiak in there. Hell oh. yeah, dude. Had one of my uncles. You know those? You ever see those ones that look like deck of cards? They're called plugs. And yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. Half a plug at all times in the side of his mouth. Who was the dude that used to play? I think he used to play for the Tigers. I want to say uh, Mickey Tennelton, who always just had like. A softball. Somehow, like, an entire baseball-sized lump of chew in his face at all times. I think half of that was probably tumor at that point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is quang. <laughs> all right. I almost snarfed my coffee. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, don't spit coffee on the mixer. <laughs> or the mic. I don't care. I can replace the mic a lot easier than I can replace that mixer. Yeah, we'd have to go back to your own I mixer. I have backup mics. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> sh- should we just end, end the banter portion of our podcast on Quang? Yes, because I'm still dying on that one. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. No. My name is Chris Fav. I am one of your hosts. I am James Marino. I am the other one of your hosts. And this week, we are discussing the autopsy of Jane Doe. Yeah. From 2016. Written by Ian Goldberg and Richard Nang. Directed by Andre Ovridal. Ah, yes. The director of a movie that we actually both really like. Troll! Troll Hunter. Yes, but he always, that was my favorite thing in the whole movie <laughs> yeah, when he, he just yells, Troll Man, I really love Troll Hunter. Uh, I forget which thing that we were recording, but uh, Brad's battery died when he was re- here one day recording. And he came back in and I was like, well, I was just going to watch a movie anyway. And we settled. I was like, oh, you've never seen Troll Hunter? Oh. And like, Brad's a huge movie fan too, and even he was just like, "Man, this movie's great!" And I did not expect that out of him. And so I was real jazzed when I saw that. Uh, ooh, Troll Hunter's doing his first American film, starring Brian Cox as Tommy, Emil Hirsch as Austin, and Ophelia Lovibond as Jane Doe. Wow! See how I did that? How yeah. I slid them credits right in there? All, all, th- all, all of them. All natural. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm going to bring this all to a a grinding halt so I can pat myself on the back on something that happened on accident. (laughs) 
<laughs> Regardless, we get back to the. Uh, okay, um, James, would you mind? I usually ask you how you like it. Would you mind if I went first? Oh this no, week? I please do. Oh, that's that's very kind of you. Yes, thank you, thank mm. you for your consideration. Um, this movie sucks a big old butthole, right? <laughs> this movie sucks musty, unwashed hooker ass. Man, I really hate it. Oh, I really, really do. And there's a specific reason that I hate it. Mm-hmm. If it was just a bad movie, whatever. Yeah. But this has one of the coolest premises that I have ever seen. And, and they took a big old Stanley steamer in the execution. <laughs> Holy Christ. And if taken, taken separately, all the parts should work. All of it. I mean, even down to... The, you know how like we've been unsettled in other movies because you can't tell where everything is? Uh-huh. The camera angles were every place. There was not, they never repeated a camera angle if they could help it. And I was constantly thrown by that. And that was an amazing choice. There was lots of good things taken separately. It's an amazing movie. Altogether, it's a steaming pile of shit. It's kind of like um, Congo. Congo is a movie starring Laura Linney and directed by Frank Marshall with effects done by Stan Winston. Mm. And everybody hates it because it's dumb. Like, on paper, it sounds great. Mm -hmm. But I think this movie would have been really good if it was about 15 minutes long. Mm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This would have been an amazing short film. It would have been. However. (laughs) However. Uh... Okay, you want to talk about the shots for a second. I'm going to disagree with you heavily. Really? Because there is a thing that I do sometimes when I watch movies. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about this before. I will kind of count how long each individual cut is. You know, one, two, three. And then they'll cut to a different angle. One, two, three. Cut, whatever. This movie, no shot lasts longer than like seven seconds. Right. There's no like good filmmaking where like oh well we need to light this correctly and we'll do this sweeping camera motion that goes here and does this anytime really the camera moves it's like down a hallway yeah down an empty hallway there's no like and there's no shots that really got me except for maybe one or two but there's really not a whole lot else to film in that everything is inside the mortuary so all you're gonna have is hallway shots right but again the it feels very much like a newer horror movie because like new pop horror does that they don't linger on shots for too long Mm -hmm. because it's not very good Mm. and a lot of the like i don't mean to sound like a pompous cunt but well some of the more underground movies we watch like stakeland they did that entire fucking scene where they're tossing vampires out of a helicopter in one shot that's a good filmmaker Mm. Like, wow, the, see, I, not having watched as much of the modern horror, I thought that was a director choice to keep you unsettled, that the camera, even, even okay, the shots, I will give you the length of shots, but I'm talking about the angles from where they're shot from. It's like, we might get a straight on shot, and then we get an angled shot from here, another angled shot from there, and it just never seemed to be, like, you'd think the next shot should be a straight on shot. Yes. But I, I felt unsettled that the angles were never right, so it didn't click right in my brain, so everything seemed a little more off. Yeah, and again, it's... I, I just... I don't find that interesting mm. filmmaking. I, like, you can show me the same autopsy room from 36 different angles. It's still going to be the autopsy room. Like, it, 
the angles don't matter to me. That's not like a sign of good filmmaking. And especially when you're throwing it all at me at three to five seconds at a time, mm-hmm. man, give me some time. And that's another thing that this film has a problem with. Give things some time to settle. Give scenes time to breathe. You don't need to be, unless it's like an action horror, you don't need to be constantly on the move. Mm-hmm. Like, there are things in this that we're never given real backstory for or, like, time to settle on, to care. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my, and, biggest, my biggest complaint about this entire movie. And I, there's been a couple movies like this. I didn't give a flying fuck what happened to anybody in this movie. That's they, where I was getting to, yes, yeah. is... They try to give us these small moments of endearing us to the characters, oh, yeah, but like, it's never enough. Yeah. So when things start going nuts, I don't give a shit if these two chuckle fucks die. Yeah. Good. Get her. Get them. Yeah. Fucking kill them. I don't give a flying fuck. Absolutely. And, and so there, because I had no investment, it made the movie harder to watch. You know, some, sometimes we go through movies that are a slog. This one was a slog because I cared fuck nothing for anybody in this film. And they did not need to give Jane Doe a backstory. And I will get to that later Mm -hmm. because it's something that really infuriates me. But we'll get there. So (coughs) do you want to do like a quick run through? Because I really don't want to go all the way through this film because it's kind of what are we going to say? Oh, and then they find this in her and they find this in her. Well, now, to me, now, that shit was interesting. Yes, that was the very interesting part of this right. film. The, the premise, but I, the thing was, though, I clocked the premise at about 14 minutes. Oh, yeah, how could you not? I know, I'm <laughs> like, okay, well, the body's not decomposed. You're in Virginia. Yeah. That's uh, a witch. Yep. Uh, I guess I could really summarize this film very quickly. An elderly man and his 30-year-old teenage son <laughs> dissect a witch. Yep. Hilarity ensues. Okay, let's talk about the casting for a moment. Brian Cox, fantastic actor. Yeah. I don't think he gave it his all in this movie. <laughs> no, he did not leave a bad actor taste in my mouth, but it was like he phoned it in. Yes, he was not his usual radiant Brian Cox. Mm-hmm. Emil Hirsch. Mm. <laughs> he, uh... He can he's, take up some space. He's he's a fine actor. Actually, he's really, really good in Freaks. Really? Uh, 2018's Freaks. I think it's on Netflix still. He's very good in that. But this was kind of his comeback movie as well. He uh, A few years before that, I don't know all the details of the story, so I'm kind of talking out of my ass. But uh, he got real fucked up and choked a lady. Oh, okay. You know, like you do. And this was his comeback, and it... it all right, here's the thing, though. Like, I don't like supporting actors like that, really. Like, if I see that Mel Gibson's in a movie mm-hmm. anymore, like, mm, I'm just not going to watch this. I've been on that bandwagon for a minute. Yeah. Um, to his credit, even though he did that horrible thing, he came out publicly, apologized to her, did all the things that she asked that he do. He went to rehab. He took time off from making movies. He separated himself from everything got his life together, and did what he had to do. Right. And, I mean, he was, I think, 30 or so at the time that they filmed this. Mm -hmm. And I think whatever happened when he was 25 and still using whatever, and, again, that's not an excuse, but I can can handle him a little better than some of the unrepentant monsters Mm -hmm. that Hollywood has produced. Yeah. So, I mean, if... 
if that sort of thing really does stick in your craw and you can't forgive it, like, all right, fine. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, he's fine. Yeah. He's not great in this movie. But take a look at what he's given. They're, they're, nobody's given a whole lot. The best acting in the whole movie comes from the corpse. Oh, easily. Easily. <laughs> because they could have used a prosthetic for this entire movie. And, again, one of the great choices that they made is they cast an honest-to-God living, breathing person yes. to play this corpse through the whole movie. And I believe she was like a dancer. or She was in some sort of the performing arts because mm-hmm. that was part of why they hired her because she had the ability to hold her breath. Yes. And stay very, very still. Like she had training in that. And yeah, she is easily the best part of this movie. And because we know, you know, I know consciously that that is a live person laying there. Yeah. Because her face changes. Yeah, but so good at what they're doing that they become a cadaver. They become part of the scenery. Yeah. And how hard could that happen? Because that's a living, breathing human being mm-hmm. that you're looking and, and your brain's reading corpse. And that is that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. And her, her willingness to literally, for however long it took them to film this, I think, you know, couple weeks at least yep. probably to just every single day go in and just lie completely naked and hold exact perfectly still mm-hmm. on a presumably colder metal table and, and the difficult part had to be like when they moved her yes anytime they moved her because that, you're moving a person and if you think about it a corpse their jaw goes slack in a certain way when you tilt the head so the movements have to be right because there's pictures of that existing so they had to know that and they actually depicted it amazingly because she maintained a slackness through the whole thing. And it wasn't a forced slackness. It, it would, that was really good stuff. So let's get into the first thing that really uh, doesn't matter in this film. Okay. Austin's girlfriend. Yeah, what's up with that? What purpose does she serve narratively? Well. She gets to be murdered. Yeah. Which didn't need to be there. Yeah. She doesn't matter in this film. No, but I think what what they the only thing that I can think of is it cements the idea of the the witch's powers appear to be limited in certain aspects. So it looks like the power of illusion or suggestion is the biggest one that this witch has. So the girlfriend, I it's never and we're never I'm never sure whether the woman or the girlfriend actually died or not or that was ever the girlfriend because at the end credits when you see everything else it's never readdressed. Right. So, you know, it's the illusory girlfriend. Well, was it the girlfriend or was it still the corpse with a stitched mouth? We, we don't know. But it's an idea of the power that the witch has. Because she even changes the weather, the idea of the weather on the radio. Because it went from sunny for four days to yeah. don't leave your house, don't leave the house. But what I'm saying is that the girlfriend is there to essentially establish that these corpses have a bell on their toe. That's the only narrative function that she serves. Although that was a funny scene. Kinda. Because you know, you know, if you worked in a mortuary, you'd fuck with somebody like that. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So Brian Cox is super unprofessional, right? A little bit. <laughs> like. Even when they're supposed to be filming this autopsy, there are things that happen that, like that he does that like, all right, I don't work in that field, but that looks unprofessional to me. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like he would have his license and contract with the county revoked pretty quickly. (laughs) Like, okay, the biggest one, and again, I don't know, I don't work in that industry, I could be very wrong. I'm pretty sure that you're not allowed to just have a cat tromping around. 
Yeah. No. <laughs> That's still a medical facility. <laughs> yeah, and, and it looks like it can get to any room it wants through the venting system. So Yes. Sanitary. Okay. Now that we've established that the girlfriend didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, the How about cat. that cat? We are given one, one line as to why the cat was important. Which was? He belonged to Brian Cox's That's wife. That's right. And it was the, one of the last things I have of hers. And it was like an attempt to develop pathos with these people. Yes. And they fucking blew it because they only go, gave like two sentence descriptions about what everybody's feeling and why and why this cat is there and why this girl is there. Yes. If they would have just dug in just a tiny bit more, maybe I would have cared about this characters and it, it would have been a better movie. Okay, I think I'm wrong. I think the other narrative function of the girlfriend was to establish that Austin is supposed to be leaving. Oh, yeah. But hasn't told his father. But again, that's a wrinkle that doesn't really matter to the story. Well, they're, maybe they're attempting to show the bond between father and son. The father's grieving. The son is protecting the father instead of the father protecting. You know, that's trying to develop that. You know, this is a... Because it, it, it's important later on that, that bond of? between the children or the <laughs> father and the son. But... It, as much as anything matters in this movie, it, lo- it was an attempt to set that up, I think. I know, but we never get any, like, heartwarming scenes with them. It's nev- They're always just in the lab. It, we never get anything with them, like, talking earnestly with each other about anything until shit starts to kick off and they realize, oh, we don't care about these characters. Pepper in something about <laughs> how his wife committed suicide. In my mind, it was like, well, we're not going to make it al- make it out of here alive. Let's put it all on the table. I, I guess. For... Ugh. And also, again, with the cat, when, the entire time the cat was on screen, it was, my thoughts were just, why, why do I need to see this? Why do I need to see any of this? Mm-hmm. Because apparently the cat's hurt in the vent, yeah. and they pull it out, and Brian Cox just snaps its neck and throws it in the incinerator. Yep. There's no, like, him holding <coughs> the cat sentimentally, or, like, thinking of his dead wife... There's never any pictures of him or anything with him, like looking at pictures of his dead wife and like cursing the cat that he still has to take care of it. Mm. Anything like that. It was just, oh, it was his wife's cat. But now it's dead. Huck it in the incinerator and let's go. Too bad. So sad. Yep. Next. Fucking. Why? Why am I watching this? Why am I watching Brian Cox snap a cat's neck? Let's go. Except it was kind of a cool scene. All right, I, I disagree with that. But again, <laughs> the only thing that crossed my mind is why are you showing me this? Mm-hmm. Why do I need to see this? There really was absolutely no need. And in fact, even if this movie was like an hour long or 45 minutes, because we could have cut out all that shit and it's still been a much better movie. Yeah. It's like the more they added, the worse it became. Yeah, but, and that's the thing is like, they try to pepper in a little bit of their story, but they never make any of these characters compelling. Mm-hmm. There's nothing interesting about them. They give us just like little one-line descriptions of their personality or what they're... Fe- yeah, it's, it's infuriating. Yes. So here's another thing that really got me. Do you remember the first like rock radio montage? Yeah. And you went, oh, cool. That's fine. Yeah. Do you remember the second rock radio montage? Mm, no, nah, I do tell. Do they tell. did it twice. Oh, okay. 
They did it twice. You don't get that. Unless you're going to keep doing it and create a motif, don't do it twice at the beginning of your film. And never readdress it? Yes. Okay. And it's the same generic, like, Bruce Springsteen-y fucking... Mm-hmm. on the radio while they're getting their medical stuff together. Man, get the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, foreign guy picking the music. All right, so they start doing the autopsy on Jane Doe because the cops have brought her in. Mm-hmm. They found her in the basement of a house with dead people. Yeah. And I, it's intimated that she had killed these people. Or the kinda. cop... The cop that went to go investigate had killed the person it, to hide the body and killed the family. It doesn't and got killed in fucking yeah. matter. <laughs> so they wheel in Jane Doe and they start to realize upon starting the autopsy that her eyes are milky. Yeah. And her uh the rigor mortis, wrists, yeah. Wrists and ankles are shattered. Mm-hmm. And it shows no outward signs, so they start doing all these tests. Mm-hmm. They find her tongue has been cut out. Yeah, that was pretty gruesome looking. And yeah, dude. All right, the gore effects, pretty goddamn good. And what I liked about it too is that it, it when we talk usually when I talk about gore effects, it's like over the top that kind of thing. But it was clinical. Yeah, yeah medical gore, gore is always grosser for some reason. Yeah, but after a minute, I got used to it because it was very clean, very procedural. Yeah. So after a minute, I, I got inured to it really quickly. But yeah, that was I. I thought that was really cool. The effects that they did for the autopsy scenes. Yeah, that was oh wow. Uh, let's see what else they find. A string in her throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find out that her uh, vaginal cavity has been torn to shreds. Essentially, mm-hmm. her internal organs have scarring on the inside. Yes. Um, the, the lung show sign of being ruined by smoke inhalation. Yes. They're basically singed black. Yes. And this is about where I started. Once they said that, like, oh, yeah, she was a witch and they burned her. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, got it. And again, Jimson weed. Yes. The paralyzing agent. Yeah. I I'll, thought that was a cool part, but they do that thing that I really hate in movies where he just immediately runs over to his very limited library and finds the thing that, that he's looking book. for immediately. Yes. <laughs> and like when they had to look up Leviticus, like uh, how do you find it that well? Maybe he went to church, but I'm like, that's, there's a lot of books in that fucker. And he just opens it up in 30 seconds to Leviticus 27, 16. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of Bible. I, it yeah. would take me forever to find that. Yeah. And there's all kinds of shit in that Leviticus. So yeah, man. Uh, let's see. Oh, they find Pete under her, uh, fingernails yep. and toenails, which I thought was very incompatible with the, rest of the motif oh, that they were doing because not necessarily she was well i'm saying that she was completely clean the rest of her body was completely clean mm-hmm. no signs of damage I, I they could have removed that and it would have established that that weird supernatural element a right. little more well yeah but for me the peat the peat under her nails cemented the fact that she was a witch because the, the, um they used to bury witches in peat bogs so they wouldn't rise again right so the fact that the peat had remained because it, it was stuck between her fingernails. Notice that later in the movie, it's explained everything that's touching her within her is preserved. So it made sense, a lot of sense to me. Yeah. All right. That's fair. That's fair. This is about the point where, and I, all right, to be fair, I chose this movie because I watched it a long time ago, mm-hmm. I, clearly when I was drinking. Yes. 
I'm not sure if I ever made it to the end of it, but this is about the point in the movie again, when rewatching it, I went, oh, good pick. This yeah. is awesome. I forgot how fucking cool this movie is. I know. They find, uh, they start opening her up. Yeah. Like, opening her up. This is where it starts to get really good because they take like the blood samples and it's spilled all over. Yes. And, and things are starting to go radio, Every time they go do some, do a different procedure, radio kicks on lights flicker it's like nope oh i'd have nope the fuck out of there right then i'm in a i'm in a i'm in a mortuary yeah and weird shit's happening like the the minute he noticed that the door open uh-huh i'd have been the fuck gone i would dad coming with me i'm gone why dead people not in the area they're supposed to be i gotta go they find a one of her teeth wrapped in a cloth in mm-hmm. her stomach. Yes. I thought that was super cool. Right. And, and you could tell that her skin had been excised at one time because all the, the markings, the runic markings and all the letterings on the inside were tattooed inside her skin. Yeah. I was going to say, that's what the next oh. thing that I wanted to get to that I think is my favorite. They start separating her skin from her body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the inside of her skin is tattooed. Yeah. And that's when, yeah, immediately it would have been like, oh, we're dealing with something that uh, we have no business dealing with. Well, that's every, that whole scene. Like, remember I told you, I, I clocked that it was a witch like 12 minutes in. But that cemented in. And, and what it did was it made me feel smart for about two seconds. I'm like, oh, I'm very smart. But then when they cemented it with, with actual depictions of how they tried to banish witches... The the writings on his skin, the Jimson weed, the made to swallow their own tooth because they, there's a hundred reasons for all these things to happen to banish witches. And much like Troll, the one thing they did is they kept the mythology pretty much correct. Obviously, they changed a few things to make it dramatic, but they really delved into that aspect. And for that, this movie was cool. Yes. Now. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the, I guess, other supernatural elements? Yes, we may. They did not work for me at all. Oh, I mean, let's get specific, I guess. Okay. The Office. Mm Mm-hmm. After Brian Cox cuts his arm on the witch's sternum. Oh, and bleeds into her. Yes. Uh, Giving up power. Yes. Uh... uh, Emil Hirsch wanders off, and they end up in the office. Tommy goes into a room, and the door slams shut. Mm-hmm. And he briefly sees a ghost or a ghoul or something. Or, yeah, some uh, a, a menacing figure. Yes. This is where this movie started to lose me because I thought they had such a cool premise. Focus on the witch. You don't need to bring, in my opinion, they didn't need to bring all these extra supernatural elements. It was fine with me that she was controlling like the lights and whatever and the radio, I guess, fine. But when she starts like raising the dead, like powers of necromancy and everything, like I, I get it, she's a witch, but it felt to me like they were putting a hat on a hat on a hat. Uh, see, I saw it a different way because in my mind, her main powers are illusory, right? So everything that she does is an imprint on your mind. So we don't know if those corpses were up and about. We only know that they think the corpses are up and about. Because, again, when he goes to axe his girlfriend, we don't know if it's the he recognizes the corpse or the girlfriend or what the actual power was. 
Sure. Well, I'm just saying. Because <laughs> I had to watch this a couple times just to see maybe I'd missed something that made the movie good. <laughs> and I, I, apparently I didn't, but I thought real hard about this fucking movie. Uh-huh. So they figure out, obviously, that uh, Brian Cox says when he's attacked by this illusory ghoul mm-hmm. that it had her eyes. Yeah. It, it's her. It's her. Like, yeah, man, we know. No, but what confused <laughs> the fuck out of me upon first watching, because, you know, I can't pay attention to shit. They had just talked about, you know, the, the mother, the relationship with the mom, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yes. I thought she had the mother's eyes, which was fucking with me. I'm like, what? I had to watch. I had to rewind it and watch it again to figure out what they were talking about. Because in my head, they were talking about now she's starting to look like their mom, which would have been a really weird thing, and it would have really pegged home that illusion thing. Yes, and they decide for some reason, because they can't get out. Right. All of the exits, the elevator isn't working. And the birch or some kind of, whatever, the, the tree fell on the, the one to get out of the roof. Yes, the <laughs> like storm cellar. Because mm-hmm. it's a very old house. Yes. It, it looks like the uh, tornado sh- uh, cellar from Wizard of Oz. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But I thought that was their attic. I thought that was their, I thought it was up near the top floor for some reason. Oh, all that shit's in the basement. Okay. Yeah, that's where like mortuary shit and funeral home stuff is usually is down yeah. below underground. Right. But uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Let's discuss an industry neither of us work in or understand. <laughs> but I'll talk like I know the fuck out of it. Thank you God very much. God damn it all. <laughs> so they recognize that it's her. It's mm-hmm. her. It's got to be her. Um, so they run in to start investigating even further. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing that really bothered me. At one point, Brian Cox says, it's not our job to determine the whys or wherefores. We're here to determine cause of death only. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they start taking her apart, it's, oh, she, she could have been part of a sex ring. Yeah, it could have been this. Didn't you just say that it is not your problem to figure out what happened? Right. Just how this person died? Oh, God, I didn't even notice that. I hate this a little more right now. <laughs> yep. I'm a little bit more incensed for being insulted like that. They can go fuck themselves. So they start investigating even further, and uh, Emil Hirsch folds up the cloth that had her tooth in it, mm-hmm. and it, it lets them know that, that, that they need to go look in Leviticus, whatever, for the right uh, thing about witches. And they take a saw to her head, take mm. out part of her brain. Okay, that was cool looking as fuck. Yeah, dude. It, it kind of ruled. And this is where this movie starts to get cool again. Yeah. For this whole scene, because they try and light her on fire. Shit did not. What, okay, they tried to light her on fire. The room's going up, so they finally had to put it out. Yes. And did you notice that when they put the room, or they uh, extinguish the flame in the room, it puts her out? Yeah. Yes. Real cool effect. The fire looked like shit, but it, it was it was a good concept. I'm not. I don't subscribe to that bad CGI ruins mm-hmm. a thing. I'll notice it, and if we're doing a review, I will obviously say, yeah, it doesn't look great. What's the modern day version of the zipper in the monster suit? Yeah, you know, if the movie's good, you can get past the zipper. Yeah, if the movie's not, that's all you think about. Yeah, and again, it didn't look great, but this is where it started to draw me in again. And in this part is where one of the cool shots was. <coughs> Where it was a shot with Emil Hirsch in the foreground with the door in the background, and it kind of whips over as the door closes. It's it's yeah. it sounds simple, but it actually looked really cool in a 
film filled with just boring static shots. Mm-hmm. It's like, finally, you did something as a director. I like it. Keep doing that. But yeah, they cut her, uh, the top of her dome off. Oh, yeah. I like it because, and it made sense because I was thinking they were going to do the incision near the forehead. Mm-hmm. No, they did it from the back of the neck up past the ears and they degloved the entire scalp. Yep. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> so they pay attention to details. Yeah. And then they did the bone saw thing. Now, I fully expected them to pull like a scroll or some shit out of her fucking brain. Yeah. But instead they just do like a rudimentary biopsy. Yeah, just take a little piece. Yeah. And they find out that her brain is still functioning. The mm. p- Even the piece that's been cut off is yep. still alive and yes. functioning. And they're like, oh, fuck. Uh, some uh, The door slams shut. Emil Hirsch has to take an axe to it. They mm. try to do a little bit of a shining. Yeah, it peeks through the hole. And that's when the corpse with the, with the uh, stitched up mouth. Right yep. there. And there's a couple times that we heard the bell ding too. They try and make a real point of that. Well, I will tell you one of my one of my favorite scenes of this movie is I, well, of course I'm watching this two o'clock in the morning, but you see a little bit of a shadow. You don't hear the noise yet. Then you hear the bell, and that really ooh that really fucked with me because we in my head it's like the, are the corpses moving around? Is the witch making it happen? What's going on? Is this an imagination? Because there, there's also part of me that's thinking. And this movie's going to have the twist because uh, Emil's going to be just a straight-up killer and all this shit was in his head. Oh. You know, because it, it's reading like that even up until the very end. I'm expecting the cops to biff down the door and he's just going to be sitting there and trying to explain the fact that he just asked his girlfriend and his dad's dead over there with bruising inside. I thought that was how the movie was going to end. Yeah, so they end up getting out of this room again. Mm-hmm. They try and run to the elevator. Elevator's not working. Mm-hmm. They see a figure approaching. Mm-hmm. Brian Cox swings the axe out the door blindly and has murdered Austin's girlfriend. Yeah. Couldn't care less. I know. <laughs> you'd, th- you'd think. We get like three seconds of him kneeling by her body and crying yeah. for a minute. And then they decide it's time for the final showdown. Mm-hmm. But again, had we cared even the slightest little bit, that would have been an amazing scene. Like, uh huh. Even if it was a minute long, because we cared. Or had it been shot interestingly. Well, yeah. <laughs> like the, again, I couldn't have given a fuck. So they decide that it's time for the final showdown. Dun dun dun. Oh. Okay. This is where I get real mad at this movie. Mm-hmm. Two things. They figure out that she was from Salem. (gasps) That she was one of the witches at Salem. And -hmm. immediately I said out loud, oh, don't do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everything that happened at Salem was a crime. They murdered several, several young women. They murdered the fuck out of them. That is a pretty much a historical genocide Mm -hmm. of women. Don't do that. Don't insinuate, well, maybe there were witches at Salem. Nope. <laughs> no, and, and again, they, like you mentioned, they, they played it well. They said, look, and this, this is why. Oh, they retconned it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, because Brian Cox has that soliloquy, you know, many, many innocent women were killed. And the torture that they put her through before is now they, they created a witch when there was none. And I'm like, uh, okay. I get it, but it was a little little hammy there. Number two. I immediately 
Oh boy, here we go. And this may just be my interpretation. Mm-hmm. But do not give me a story where the message is, well, an old white man shouldn't take try and take on the sins of the past. They should just leave it alone. Because what does he do? A white man, an elderly white man... Well, sacrifices himself, himself to save his son. To, well, and for the sins of the past to save this woman... To be, yeah, mm-hmm. throw yeah. up in my fucking mouth. Yeah, a little bit came out of the mouth too. I'm dribbling. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, uh, well, you can't take on the sins of the past because it'll kill you inside. That might just be my interpretation of how white people think. <laughs> but he decides to do it and it kills him. And yes, his son. I, as far as he knows, survives. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is also... It's fine. There is also a, uh, a strong, quote-unquote, feminist message in this film. Mm-hmm. Because all of the scars that Jane Doe carries are on the inside. All the scars and the trauma oh. are on the inside. <laughs> and it's two men trying to open her up and find out mm. why and she doesn't need them to do this and mm. they should have just left her alone in the first place and she would have been they would have been fu- man oh. every single message that I could take out of this film was hogwash and I, bad I really wish this was a visual medium because the pained look on my face right now from just thinking about that because it didn't occur to me there are a couple lines in it as well that hint at that. I know, like, after Brian Cox is attacked by the invisible monster, Emile Hirsch says something about, you know, well, something bad happened to her, but at this point it's none of our business. We need to get out of here and just leave her alone. If we leave her alone, maybe she'll uh, leave us alone. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Some horse shit like that. Yeah. So, again... If you, if you want to take a feminist message from that and enjoy it, that's fine. It's fine with me. However, I think it was very poorly done. And I didn't appreciate it. Especially something written, directed, and only starring men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was overt, deliberate, and ham-handed. Yes. <laughs> it's real bad. Yeah, you know, again... And I like to think of myself as somebody who respects women and I will advocate for women when the time is right. Mm -hmm. However, I would not make an entire film about as a man saying, well, you should just women have all this trauma on the inside that you might not see on the outside. Like, yeah, man, I know. And it's super not my place to uh, really get into the details of it. I didn't think about this, but I do remember I'd read an interview or two. I I think the author of this was was originally a player, a book that they based this on. Oh, I have no idea. I I read that this was just the director said, I want to do a horror movie. Somebody find me a horror script. Yeah, but I thought it was a screen screenplay adaptation of an, an existing work. It fucking could And be. I think the woman wrote it originally. So Well, if that's the case, then fine. Yeah. But it was adapted by two men. That had no clue as to what the fuck they should be doing. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, here's the deal. I'm all about it. That's great feminism. 
but what service, mm. what, what purpose are you serving if you're not doing your message well? Uh-huh. So if you can't do it well, don't include it because it's insulting. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, fuck that. So Brian Cox takes all of her pain mm. unto himself. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, remember, when we got to uh. see it, now his scars were outward. Like, all the sigils inside were outward on her, him. Yes. So he's showing outward signs because he's a guy? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck that. Uh-huh. Do it well <laughs> or don't do it. It's so stupid. Oh, wow. Because I was tolerating this movie until, you, like, I didn't like the movie, but I didn't have a hate on for it. Now I'm actively disliking this movie. Yep. An Ooh. old white man tries to absorb the trauma of a woman. Yes. That's our story. Uh-huh. Great. So Emil Hirsch escapes from the room, runs to the elevator, stops to mourn his girlfriend for another two seconds. Uh, two seconds? That's giving it a little bit. He's yeah. Like, oh, she's dead. Bye. Yep. Poor thing. Uh, he hears the cop on the other side of the door that he's trying to get out of. Until or the does co- he? That's what I'm getting to. Oh. He, the cop starts singing the song that's been popping onto the radio. That did fuck with me a bit. Let the sun shine. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was pretty good. I read that that was like a, like a school choir that they had just found an old record. Like oh, a forty, wow. like a thirty-three RPM, and sped it up to forty-five. Oh, that is so cool! Yeah, it's just a school choir, if I remember correctly, it's some kind of choir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just an old record that they had found. Because up up until that moment, it's like, oh, he might get out of here. Wait, are they going to bust him for the murders? That's when my whole brain was doing that racing thing. Oh wow, that'd be pretty cool. He's a fucking killer, and he's just nuts. Well, it's been done before, but it would have made this movie better. Mm-hmm. But no. Uh, Emil Hirsch just kind of falls like an asshole. Uh, well, he sees his dad. <laughs> Whoa, shit, dad. Boom, bang. Dead. Two, two floors down. That's why, oh no, th- that's why it had to be, because remember he was up uh-huh. to fall. That's where the skylight was. Yeah. It wasn't in the basement. It was in the attic. No, that was the storm door. Yeah. He was trying, storm doors are ground level. It looked like, um, uh, Okay. But then how did he fall too low? How would you have a storm door in your attic, James? I, it could have just been a weird New England door or Virginia door. I don't know. They got no, fucking witch I, windows I, out there. I, I, which windows? Fuck yourself. No, it ex- which windows <laughs> exist? I know. It's just... God damn it. Fuck you for not understanding architecture and then inter- introducing something else to try and cover it up. Fuck you. I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know your games, you son of a bitch. You realized that you were wrong and then tried to change the subject. No, I swear to God, those were weird doors in the attic. I didn't think of them as storm doors. Oh, God. Anyway. So, yeah, Emil Hirsch falls to his death. Dying on this hill. (laughs) Fucking. So, Emil Hirsch is dead. Uh, Better than fuck. Cut to police coming in and finding a whole fucking load of dead bodies. Hey, but they did hammer another point home, though, because when they opened the door, sunshine didn't look like there was any storm wreckage. And that's where I think they didn't need to do two things with the radio. Do the song or do the weather report. Right. Uh, It's just... mm, Focus on one and do it well. (sighs) Yeah. It's like going to Applebee's. Yeah, they have 900 things, but they all suck. Yeah. And it's either give me a couple good clues, uh-huh. or yeah, I don't know. I just they, they it felt like they were just buckshotting me with scattered clues for no reason. It's like you're stupid. Here's more clues. Oh, you didn't get it yet. Here's another clue. Oh, 
for all you that are too stupid to get it, here's one more clue for you. Yep. So the officer or the chief or whoever in charge of the investigation comes in, again, finds all these dead bodies, says, get her out of here. Get her out of my county. Mm Mm-hmm. I could have really lived without this last shot. Yeah, and well, and he did one thing. He's like, I don't care what anybody says. I've known him for 20-odd years, mm-hmm. and this isn't what it looks like. And I'm like, yeah, that, you didn't need to be there either. Fuck it, you. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they load Jane Doe into a, a, an ambulance. Mo- I'd say a moving container for bodies, some sort of truck with something. Yeah, EMT truck. Radio static. We get let the sunshine in. And a bell dings and g- roll credits. Okay, that that la- that last that bing bing with the toe. Uh huh. I enjoyed that. Go fuck yourself. At no point was she wearing a bell on her toe. We're shown her toes several times. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a bell on. Okay, I liked it until just now. Fuck you. <laughs> they added it because it was the thing that they had been doing, regardless of it making sense or not. Mm-hmm. It was the. Uh, that you heard in Hereditary. I know you didn't see it, but mm-hmm. anybody else listening that did, get all the way the fuck out of my face with this bullshit. <laughs> with your goddamn cookie-cutter-ass horror film. Mm-hmm. That, again, they did the thing that like modern horror th- seems to think that it needs to do. Like modern popular horror. Mm-hmm. Which is, well, it's been a little bit too much dialogue. We need a scare. Uh-huh. There's been a little bit too much dialogue. We need a spooky part. We need this. We need something to happen. No, you need to let your moments breathe so that we care about these characters. Mm-hmm. Don't give me the, ah, turns out his wife's dead. Anyway, here's a rock and roll montage. Like, man, yeah. let it breathe. Let us soak in these characters a little bit and become ingratiated to them to where we think, oh, I care if they die. Mm-hmm. Because well, as soon as Emil Hirsch was dead, I said, good, this movie's about to be over. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it, it, again, it goes to the writing or the directing because what's that? I think uh, Raymond Chandler, when he ran out of shit to do, somebody got shot. <laughs> somebody shows up, somebody got shot. Which is interesting because you've created action, now you've got something to build on. Yes. But if you use that as a crutch, every time you run out of shit... Oh, fuck, we don't have anything. Somebody's going to get stabbed. Okay, now somebody's going to catch a bottle in the nose. Okay, well, then you're not really doing anything. Yeah, you're... Introduce it and build off it, but don't make that the whole movie every 10 seconds. Yes, you're following a formula rather than giving me an experience, I Mm -hmm. guess. Because when I can clock that, oh, well, something's about to happen because something hasn't happened for a minute, Mm -hmm. that's a bad film. And when we've talked about movies like, uh, I'll throw out Possum, for example. You're sick, I say your smoke's backwards, but yeah, like Possum. We don't get that every, you know, 10 page in the script scare moment. <coughs> they give us time to like really sit with these fucking weird ass characters. And, and again, in that movie, the level of dread there is. Yeah, and the characters were compelling. Yes. There was nothing interesting about these two fucking guys. It was a father and son who it was never said that like the son blamed the father for his mom killing himself, but he apologizes at one point anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's very, I don't give a shit. Too right. little, too late at that point in the story. So I think that maybe, you know, thinking about it, I'm talking about it right now. If this movie was shot by maybe a different director, mm-hmm. 
and different choices were made, this movie could be even full length. This could be a really good, compelling movie with amped up dread. You give this to David Bruckner. Ooh. This movie is going to fucking rule. Because he will throw everything in Because there. here's the thing. Like, the dialogue in this didn't bother me. The the actual, like, mechanical writing of it was fine. Mm-hmm. The, and the actual premise... Oh, it's amazing. These two guys dissecting a witch and shit happens? Awesome. But it all falls apart in the execution and where they take the story. Because mm-hmm. they take so many side paths... Right. That... It's, will you just get back to that fucking witch and figure out what's going on? Get back in there. Let's go with the goddamn movie. TikTok goes the clock, buddy. Yeah, yeah. and it's not even a long movie. Mm-mm. It's like an hour, 28 minutes. Well, I think, the, I think one of the reasons we're not getting any feeling from the people is that maybe the director, being from another country, doesn't have the visual cues that we have in America. You know, it's like certain ways that we look, the certain ways that we talk and how we emote is completely might be completely different in Scandinavia or wherever the fuck this guy's from. So maybe we're not picking up the clues that he's given us. Maybe this will play real well in Sweden because we're getting more feeling from the actors from the vision of the director. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, man. But I really didn't like it. Nope. And then with everything with the muddled messages in here... I'm just, glad I didn't clock on that because I would have never been able to watch it the second time, which is enough for me to understand this movie a little better. Yeah, is I think this is a bad movie. I know uh, our our friend Josh. When, yeah. When we said that we were doing this, was like, oh, I love that movie. And again, I'm not saying if you like this movie, you're a dummy or anything, because like, all right, it's not that bad. It's a movie that I just really don't like. So I start to really, when I find something I really don't like about a film, I start picking that scab. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't give me anything to where like, oh, I can overlook this because yeah. I, I really like what's happening otherwise. Well, Look, much like many other podcasts that we've had, I didn't come in here with a strong dislike of this movie. I just didn't like it. I felt a little insulted for having spent as much time on it. But this is, I think, the third or fourth podcast where I've come in here with eh, ambivalence or just didn't like it. And by the end of the movie, or by the end of the movie, by the end of the podcast, I ended up fucking hating it. Because I don't see the same movie you do. So when I see the movie you do, I'm like, oh, God damn it! I hate you. Mm-hmm. I hate this movie. I really hated it. Mm-hmm. All right. Hated do you, it. Do you have any final thoughts on the autopsy of Jane Doe? Uh, I wish it was a better movie. Because it could have been. That's all I got to say about it. Yeah. Uh, the one thing, again, that really stands out, I know when we had first talked about doing this, the very first frames that we see, is, oh, they shot this on digital. Uh, it's, it doesn't look like a film film. And I think it, just that little bit of like uh, visual difference you get in the way that it's shot would have maybe helped this movie along. Mm-hmm. Because like the contrast looked weird. The shadows weren't like as yeah. deep as the, yeah. Everything okay. looked glossy. See, and this is really cool. This is one of the reasons why I love doing this is like, I'm getting an education on how films are made. And so like, it doesn't occur to me how it's, what it's filmed on. I'm only looking at it. Right. But now that you've mentioned it, I'm like, Oh shit, this movie was digital. This wasn't, and this is why I like this movie better because I'm used to this or this was interesting. Well, this is really cool. Yeah, like if you just shot The House of the Devil on digital, it would have looked way differently, and I probably would have not liked it as much. Yeah. But since they shot it on film, it had that cool look. This film could have really, really benefited from 
like just something cool looking. Mm-hmm. Get the the graininess of the something in there, just something. Give, think, give me something to yeah. care about or look at or give a flying fuck about. I, I think I'm going to give this director one more chance. He's got he, something new coming out. He also did uh, the scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, yeah? I haven't seen that, but I heard there's a very odd like Nazi through line in that. Pro? I don't know. No, oh. like it, they just mention it for oh, some okay. reason because I listened to something about it. And they're like, yo, why is there a Nazi subplot in this? <laughs> yeah, but either way, I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to speak on it. But I'm going to give like, I'm going to give this director another chance because I really enjoyed Troll. Oh, Troll Hunters, very yeah, good. Troll Hunter. I, I don't know why so I call it Troll is a very different film. Yes. <laughs> Troll Hunter. Um, and there's parts of this movie that I thought were fucking amazing. So I, I I'm going to give him a chance. Maybe he'll get it together by the the third big feature. Well, his third was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Ah, well, I'd never heard of it, so I didn't think of it as a big feature. But I, I'm sure he's got something in the works. We can look it up after this, maybe. Yeah. Or not. Who mm. cares? Nah. But, uh, James, what have we got to plug? Um, an aging calendar? We do have an aging calendar that you can buy. Uh, send us an email at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. We'll hook you up. Um... Yeah, we're not trying to involve the government here. Nah. So uh, we can figure this shit out ourselves. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Send the money and I'll send you your shit. Absolutely. Don't be a cunt. Um, uh, also coming up, we've got a five-part miniseries coming. Ooh. A Hill to Die On. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> Brought that right back. Um. Yeah, uh, uh, our my co-host for that, the lovely Kayla Perkins and I spend about five hours or more talking about Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Dodge also, that bullet. Every Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on our Facebook group page, I will post a link to our Discord where at 10 o'clock every Saturday night, Eastern Standard Time, we watch movies. This week I am doing actually one of my all-time favorite movies. Do tell. The Black Coat's Daughter. Ooh. It was one of the first episodes we did, but man, I just bought it recently because I hadn't watched it in a while. Mm-hmm. And I usually don't watch a whole lot of the stuff that we do for this again. Right. I, I was like, man, I really want to watch it, so I just bought it. I love that movie so fucking much. Well, I actually have the weekend off. I might enjoy the Discord. Oh, it's so good. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's, I think, about all that we got going on. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, should we get out of here? Yeah, I think we should call it. We should go. Yeah. All right. I think we've done enough. Uh, goodbye. Bye.